What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Ah, the copperhead snake. It hisses before attacking. But that's not a copperhead. That's the Sullivan's RV freshwater tank overflowing into their black one, which is backing into their vent pipe, making for a very different kind of attack. One that arrives just in time for taco night. It's wild out there. When it gets too wild, Progressive has your RV covered. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. Adios, old friend. Yeah, I've got no secrets and no regrets. Well, a lot of regrets, but the point is I've got nothing to hide. Kind of like the way Progressive shows you their competitors' rates. You gotta put it all out there, baby. Excuse me, miss. Does this heart belong to you? Would you like it anyway? Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparisons not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Uh, it, it just gives uh, Rob and I flexibility to execute our game plan. Uh, he's already been working the phones even before this. Welcome to the Lakers Legacy, where the only free agency fireworks the Lakers are setting off these days are those dinky little bang snap poppers that you throw on the ground. And right now, those bang snap poppers are falling to the ground with a splat splat and less of a pop pop. But hey, at least we haven't signed Rudy Gay or Taj Gibson to four years, 60 plus million dollar contracts. But Tommy, what are we going to do? We got no one who can do a hezzy pull-up Jimbo, as Kevin Durant so eloquently puts it in reference to Markel Fultz. So what do we do? We uh, sign LeBron James and Paul George next year. <laughs> Great. Can, can they do a hezzy pull-up Jimbo? Uh, neither of them can do a hezzy pull-up Jimbo, but we have Brandon Ingram, who is the master of the hezzy pull-up Jimbo. <laughs> Great. So we are right in the midst of a crazy off-season, crazy free agency summer right now for just about every team but the Lakers. We have Paul George going to the Oklahoma City Thunder, Paul Millsap going to Denver, Gordon Hayward to the Celtics on a smaller end level, George Hill to the Sacramento Kings. Lakers are still waiting around for the remaining scraps. Also, shout out to Tarek Black, who unfortunately had to be waived to clear up his $6 million on our cap books this summer. 
he was a good dude, so we want to wish him best of luck, and hopefully he snags onto a team soon. And then Swaggy P. Swaggy P is going to get Hyphy up in Golden State for one year, $5 million, and Swaggy P will finally find out what it truly means to become a Laker when he wins a ring with Kevin Durant and Steph Curry next year, which is pretty crazy to imagine, but shout out to the Swaggy P era. It was a lot of fun, a lot of wackiness, a lot of dumbness and weirdness, but it was entertaining to say the least. So yeah, but here we are. But hey, we're getting a much-needed distraction in the next two weeks with Summer League. Woohoo! So tonight's show will be a bit of a piecemeal episode since we had to record at different times. Uh, Our first segment right now will be with Tommy, obviously, and we'll just recap the Lakers' flaccid free agent state at the moment, just waiting for the market to dry out and what free agents or moves they can try and do from here on out. After that... I'll be joined by Alan to talk about the big Paul George trade that went down this past weekend. Plus, we'll also get into the LeBron James conspiracy theory that's supposed to tie this whole pie-in-the-sky wackadoo cap space plan all together. But before we get started, please follow us on Twitter at LakersLegacyPod. Please also rate and interview us on iTunes because the more you rate and interview us, that's how many All-Star games Cap Space McGee 2018 will play for us starting next year. And dear Lord... Let's hope he plays in several All-Star games to make this retread playback of the same strategy worth it. So if you had to guess, Tommy, whoever Capspace McGee is, how many All-Star games will they make from 2018 out? 800. 800 All-Star games. Okay, amazing. So please rate interview us to get that number up. Uh, speaking of rating interviews, we're going to have Brooke Lopez do tonight's review reading for us, and Alan will do it, and then we'll jump back to my conversation here with Tommy. So... Alan slash Brooke Lopez, take it away. All right, uh, thanks, Jonathan. I appreciate that. Uh, this one, first t- first time doing this, but I think my two years at Stanford, uh, that education's gonna help. So it says the most entertaining Lakers podcast out there. Five stars, thanks from uh, Harvey Micah. These guys keep it trill and extremely lit every single episode. If you're looking for a little humor. <laughs> Along with some knowledgeable Lakers updates and insights, shoot, I might even, I'm new to this team, look no further than Lakers Legacy Radio. I eagerly await each new episode. Keep up the great work, guys. All right, so thanks, Alan slash Brooke Lopez, for that great reading. I'm back here with Tommy, so yeah, let's get right down to it. And by it, I mean a whole lot of nothing. But at least Magic and Rob have laid out the plan pretty clearly for us, right, Tommy? So what is that plan once again? So that plan is to have two max slots available for next uh, next summer. Uh, two ma- Not just to any two max slots, but one max slot that could potentially be a 10-plus year veteran max slot, which, as we know, is, is, uh, is a higher number than, you know, the, the five to eight or whatever the tier below it is. So, yeah, it was clearing out space today to be used tomorrow. So hopefully it works. Long live cap space 2018. Hashtag cap space <laughs> better. Hashtag trust the cap space. Okay, so what have the Lakers tried to do? Because right now that's all we can really delve into. We had rumors about going after Ben McLemore. Dion Waiters and George Hill, and unfortunately, all three of those guys got scooped up. Ben McLemore, two years, ten million. George Hill to the Kings for I think a four-year deal, right? And yeah. then Dion Waiters today, four years, fifty-two million with Miami. Right. Lakers offered one year, seventeen million to both Dion Waiters and George Hill, but unfortunately, as was expected, they took the multi-year offers instead. 
Now we got Rajon Rondo still in in play, which is kind of scary. And, oh, God. Uh, and uh, I was going to say Jordan Crawford, Jamal Crawford, pretty much the same guy. Um, so yeah, <laughs> that's that's our outlook right now, whether or not the Lakers open up their, their sights to other players. I don't know. We sure hope so. But I thought before we got into the prospects, we could look back into the Lakers' cap situation and why they are so stringently dealing one-year deals, and that's it. Because, you know, we've mentioned it a couple of times, especially in our last Cap Space episode of why they're taking such a hard-line stance on this one-year deal thing and no more. Tommy and I, before we started recording, actually dug into the numbers pretty deeply in terms of the Cap Space, and at least on my end, in an effort to show Tommy, hey, I think that we still could have kept D'Angelo Russell and all we had to do was just stretch Timothy Mozgov and Luau Deng at the end of this year and we could still be able to do it, provided that we, of course, get rid of Jordan Clarkson and Julius Randle as well, which we would have had to do in this current scenario anyways. And in the process of doing so, Tommy and I found out, unfortunately, that you can get pretty close to doing it, but yeah. you, still, you still fall five or six million short and then you don't really have a roster. So with that said, Tommy, I'll turn it over to you and just... Why don't you tell the audience your findings of when we crunched the numbers? Yeah, so we pretty much sat down and looked at the numbers, and we just we just looked at, okay, who are we absolutely going to keep? And it, it pretty much came down to, in the situation where we didn't trade D'Angelo and we just tried to stretch Timothy Mozgov and Luol Deng, it's like, okay, hypothetically assuming the only three players we keep on the entire roster are Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, and D'Angelo Russell. But when you... Okay, so those three are... Brandon Ingram is going to be due uh, 5.5 million next year. Ball's going to be due 7.5. So now you're at, uh, what, 13 million? Mm -hmm. D'Angelo Russell is going to be due 7 million uh, next year. So, And when when I say next year, I'm, I'm referring to their cap hit as of next summer. Uh, so those three combined would be about 20 million. Timothy Mozgov and Luol Deng stretched are going to cause you a combined cap hit of about, let's see, Timothy Mozgov is 6.4 ish. It's about 6.4 or Mm 6.5. And Luol Deng is about 7.2. So we'll call that like 13.6 for their, for their combined, um, cap hit after they're stretched. So when you add those two up, and then the one factor that I think a lot of people forget, including me, until I kind of sat down and thought about it today, you need to have minimum roster space holds, or what do they call them, minimum cap holds for any unused roster spaces. So if we have three guys, you know, you just listen to these numbers I read off, and you're like, oh, okay, wow, so we can do it, it sounds like. No. Because we only have three guys under contract in this scenario, and you have to carry a minimum of 13 players. So, Sorry, can you also pretty much bring up the point that you're not accounting for Larry Nance, Zubats, Hart, Kuzma? Exactly, yeah. So in this scenario, we're only accounting for the hypothetical where we had Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, and D'Angelo Russell. And when I say nobody else, I mean literally nobody else. That means... Yeah. Larry Nance is gone. Zubox is gone. Josh Hart's gone. Kuzma's gone. Obviously, Clarkson and Dang are gone in pretty much any scenario. Thomas Bryant's gone. I'm I'm talking literally everybody's (laughs) gone. What you forget is you need a minimum cap hold. So since we only have 10, or sorry, three players, we would have 10 minimum cap holds, which would take a chunk of the 
the uh, salary. And I think we estimated at about 500,000. That's like, as of, I don't know, three or four years ago, it was that low. When the cap jumped, I want to say the minimum now for like a rookie undrafted free agent, which is what they calculated based off of, I want to say it's like 800,000 or so. Mm-hmm. So the point is, you know, you're like, you're, you're 800,000 times 10. And, you know, so you have this cap hold and, and you got these three players and then you got the, str- the stretch um, cap holds that, that, that those guys are going to take. So just between that, you can't even sign two max players. So although I, I hated the D'Angelo thing as much as anybody else. Sorry, can you throw out the actual commitment? Can you throw out the actual commitment amount? So I have it at forty three point around forty three point four million in commitments between yeah, there you go. just amongst those three guys with the cap holds and the Moz stretch, dang stretch. And to be clear, the projected cap space for 2018-19 is gonna be around one oh two. So you can do the math yeah. there, right? In order to get LeBron James, his whose first year max is gonna be what, thirty five million? And then in order to get a a guy like Paul George, his first year max is going to be around 30. The Lakers would need to essentially clear up about 66 million in cap space. So if these three guys, D'Angelo Ball and Brandon Ingram, plus the cap holds already make up 43.4 million in commitments, that only leaves around 60 million left to play with. And that's not enough for LeBron James and Paul George. Is it enough for like a Paul George and a lower end max guy who's just becoming a max player? Sure. But the plan is to get Paul George and LeBron James, right? And the only way to do that in this scenario is one, you're getting rid of Nance, Zubats, Hart, Kuzma. And then on top of it, you're also going to have to ask LeBron James or Paul George or both of them to take pay cuts pretty much in order to make this work. Exactly. It's just not a likely scenario. So sorry, go ahead with what you were saying. Exactly. Oh, so I was going to say, so yeah, you look at that scenario and it's like, not only does it not work, but it's also so extreme. You know what I mean? Because even if they took like a, one of them took like a 5 million or 6 million pay cut or they split the difference or however they wanted to decide it, even to get to that point, you're waiving like any except like, uh, you know, designated or what, I don't know what the exceptions are even called anymore, but you're waiving any like cap exceptions that you could potentially have a right to. And your roster is essentially going to be those three guys, you know, Ingram ball and uh, D'Angelo plus Paul George and LeBron James, and then eight minimum contracts. And when I say minimum, con- I mean, literally the veterans minimum, not even like a, you know, biannual exception because you have to waive that to get to the to the number. So it just is not realistic. And then you look on the flip side by dumping Mozgov and um, D'Angelo Russell. Now you're looking at okay, Brandon Ingram, five point five million, uh, Lonzo Ball, seven point five million, Larry Nance Jr. two point three million, Zubats one point five million. Hart and Kuzma, I want to say they're 1.5 million. I don't know if that's gone up this year, but based on where they were drafted compared to what those comparable players made last year, about 1.5 million each. And then you have the dang um, stretch at 7.2 million. That's how much his cap hit is going to be after you stretch him uh, next year. And then you, at this point, because you actually have six players signed, you only have seven cap holds instead of 10 in the other scenario. So that even saves you a little bit of money. So I don't know. Do you have the number in front of you? I, I had like, I think it's 30.5. Yeah, it's like 28 or 30 in commitment. So at that point, yeah. you do have enough. You have like 72 million to use on LeBron and yeah. Paul George with a little bit of change left over. 
And if you want to move exactly. some of the other guys like Larry Nance or Zubats or whatever, because Julius Randle had a great year, you can potentially do that because Julius Randle's cap hold is about $12.4 million, And with the change left over and then moving up out some other pieces maybe you can still keep julius's cap hold on the books there sign paul george sign lebron and then go over the cap to you know extend julius so i think that's that i mean pretty much what we're saying here is this is why the d'angelo mozgov dump had to happen now for those people who are still under the stance that we still could have waited till you know mid-season or whatever i guess that's fair but i think the lakers were just looking at it and saying well there's like a lost opportunity if brooklyn does a deal with another team and exactly ties up their ties up their cap space. So yeah, one thing I wanted to add on the timing note is in in the sense of timing, I completely agree that perhaps you should wait. And, and that being said, I the, the big caveat here is: do they actually know? Are these guys coming? If they actually know, then fine, just do it now. I don't care. But it, in most circumstances, I think yes, you actually should just wait. But here, one I think one big counterpoint is Mozgov makes. I don't know, 16 million approximately per year. Okay. So if you already know that you can't package him with a pick, which it seems like they exhausted those options and that just wasn't the market. They couldn't just throw out a first round pick, even unprotected to get rid of him because I, you know, people figure that's so speculative. Eventually the Lakers are going to get good. If you can't package him for just a pick, you have to package him for a player. And if the goal at if you put yourself now, it just your present self, into the summer of 2018, you've exhausted the option of trading Mozgov for an expiring contract because you need immediate immediate salary relief. So if you're packaging Mozgov with another player to dump him, even if you're just dumping him by himself, you're, you have to find a team that is willing to take on 16, willing and able to take on 16 million of cap space with sending nothing back out in terms of salary. And like when you talk about like packaging another player, like let's say hypothetically it came down to the showdown again next year. Julius Randle's no longer under contract. Jordan Clarkson's making over 12 million a year. So you're back in the same scenario where it's like, okay, well to dump Mozgov, I guess we have to trade D'Angelo Russell. Well, guess what? Now you need to find a team that has $23 million just in open room that can absorb that. It's not to say that's impossible, it's just to say one of the luxuries we had this year was besides getting that, I know it was a late first rounder, but besides getting that pick from Brooklyn, we were, we were able to take an expiring contract because all we all we care about is the summer of 2018. But when you're in the summer of 2018, it's not like, Oh, I'll just take back an expiring. No, you can't take back. You, and it's, you can't take back anything because that's it. You need the money right now, then and there. So that's why, you know, I, I think we talked about this, or maybe you're going to get into this in a second, but we kind of talked about this offline and, and we were, we were saying like, if, if they were smart, which at this point, I'm not going to give them the front office too much credit for being smart and going through this. I, I'm not going to go one way or the other. I'm not going to say they're complete idiots or they're really, or they're really smart. I'm just going to be neutral. But if they were smart, they would have mapped out all the expected cap space that teams would have next summer. And at least that would set a minimum, right? Because one issue with that, though, and it, which makes that not completely a perfect strategy, is you just never know what teams are going to do. For example, Denver had a ton of cap space and nothing in the foreseeable future that would take that up. They signed Paul Millsap to a three-year, th- you know, $30 million per year contract. Now they have literally nothing to, do, to work with. Mm-hmm. You know, Sacramento, they had a ton of cap space. They signed George Hill to this like three years at almost 20 million per year. 
And then they signed, uh, who's the other dude they signed? I'm blank. I always forget. They signed some second guy who's like kind of a veteran and I, I can't remember who he is. Totally blank too. Doesn't matter. It's the Kings. <laughs> yeah. yeah. doesn't matter. But the point is they've committed in like the last, the Sacramento Kings in the last two days have signed like $20 million of, i sorry, 30, over $30 million of long-term deals. So pretty soon you're going down the list and it's like, all right, you're starting to eliminate people. Like if I want to be uber critical going the other way, I'd say, okay, well, had they waited even just a week or two weeks on this D'Angelo move, maybe you start to see that like, oh, well, actually the Phoenix Suns were not, struck out on all their free agent endeavors and then they did just decided to do exactly what we wanted them to, or like a team like us would want them to do, which is we're willing to absorb your contracts if you give us assets. But then it's like, again, it goes back to your original point, which is like, look, we had this deal. It was on the table. It did exactly everything we wanted it to do. We dumped Mozgov. We got rid of D'Angelo's salary, which wasn't really going to fit with these, this two max structure we're trying to build. And we also came out with a late first round pick out of it. And like whether or not Kuzma turns into anything, I have no idea, but he at least gives us like a, a deep bench, like power forward, like versatile power forward option if he pans out, if he doesn't pan out, he's like, he's a warm body and he makes like nearly the minimum. So it's, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Was there anything else you wanted to add? Yeah. So I guess if anyone's getting lost in the weeds, the, the bottom line is that the Lakers at some point, whether it was today, tomorrow, 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 you know, at the end of the season would have had to get rid of D'Angelo Russell some way. D'Angelo Russell, Jordan Clarkson and Julius Randle all needed to be gone this summer or at the end of this year, like they all have to be gone under the presumption that we're doing the two max plan, which is exactly what we're doing. It seems like Rob Palinka and Magic are 100% all in on the two max plan. So if your argument right now is, I hate that plan because we just did it and that's what led to the Mozgov dang thing without any assurances, then that is a very fair argument to have as a Lakers fan. And yeah. I think that's the qualms we have, right? Like, oh man, if they really don't have uh 100% promise on this and we end up striking out again and getting lower tier superstars let's say it's even like DeMarcus Cousins and some rando then this yeah. would look really dumb right but if we're under the right. assumption that you know they are going to max all the way LeBron James and Paul George type caliber even if it's not LeBron James but it's Paul George and DeAndre Jordan or something like that then mm-hmm. it, we needed to get rid of D'Angelo Russell, Mozgov, Jordan Clarkson, and Julius Randle. Like all four of those guys had to be gone off our books yeah. without without anything coming back, and that's it. That's the bottom line. And we also and have still to stretch dang on top yeah. of all of that. It's a harsh realization, especially for me, because I'm like, no, there is a way to get D'Angelo Russell and Paul George and blah blah blah. I know. I mean, there is a way, but it's like almost you have to go through crazy cap gymnastics to even make it work and literally feel the team of eight veteran minimum exception players have Paul George and LeBron take less money, etc, etc. So this yeah. is why they chose to do this in advance so that they wouldn't have to jump through hoops in 2018 when it, you know, at that point you want to have a domino effect of moves happen one after the other. So Exactly. Uh, what you don't want to do is find yourself in a situation in 2018 where like LeBron James commits and everybody in the world has realized that your plan that you've been waiting on for a year has is coming true. And LeBron James commits, Paul George is on the way, and you cannot find anyone in the world to take on any of your contracts because you still are going to, like we said, 
you're still going to have to dump Mozgov. You're still going to have to dump D'Angelo. I want to say that somebody out there would take that for nothing, but you don't know. It's like, besides that, does anybody have that space available to just absorb 23 million with nothing going out? That's one hurdle you have to jump over. The second hurdle you have to jump over is every team in the NBA knows that you're doing this. And there was some weird collusion that went on here. I, they don't know if it's collusion or what was going on, but who's going to help you get to that result? You know, it's yeah. Is it possible you can try to do a sign and trade or try to do like something along those lines? Yeah, sure. It's possible, but you just don't know. Like people are going to be pissed off if this actually, if, if this actually works, understandably so. And you just want to, you know, eliminate those barriers. And that's why, they, again, to get back to the very original point from the beginning of the, of the episode, this is why they were only offering these one-year deals because they don't, they really do not want to mess with this. It's like a very fine line they've drawn here with this cap space. And, you know, they have a, a, a few million dollars wiggle room, but really not that much. Uh, so they don't want to mess with it too much. Yep, so that is what we're dealing with, and unfortunately we are in wait-and-see mode again. Uh, time will tell whether or not these moves that were made preemptively are going to pay off, but if we're sticking to that plan, these moves had to be done, and there's really no way around that. And also, I forgot to mention that there is literally 0% chance Brooke Lopez is back now that we've crunched the numbers. <laughs> right. Like, zero. He's gone. Um, 0.0, so, yeah. 0.0. So, with that said, now let's look into free agency and what's left for the Lakers. Like I said, you know... We, I think tomorrow is the end of the moratorium period. So that obviously is when the deals can be finalized between Paul George and the Thunder. That's when Boston can facilitate their sign in trade for Jay Crowder and Gordon Hayward, et cetera, et cetera. And I guess going back to the, you know, the cap thing, if you decide to sign LeBron James and Paul George, I guess you do have that six day period where you can try and find teams. But again, like you said, who's going to help us in that scenario? But here we are. Macklemore has passed on us. George Hill has passed on us. Dion Waiters has passed for multi-year deals. Patrick Patterson got a great deal with the Thunder. And so we are here left with 17 million, 17, 18 million or so to use. One year, we can either split that up or just do one big chunk of that as we try to with Dion Waiters and George Hill. And we're looking at Rajon Rondo right now, Jamal Crawford, uh, Monte Ellis just got waived or bought out, whatever. And I guess, Tommy, like, what are we looking at here? Do you like the Rajon Rondo, Jamal Crawford angle for the Lakers? They've said they're vetting him out very thoroughly right now. But in principle, they do like the the mentorship that he can bring to the young guys. And I've heard that, you know, with regards to the Chicago young guys, Rajon Rondo was actually a pretty good teammate. But with that said, if we're looking at Rajon Rondo's history at a, as a whole, that's leaving out his squabbles with three different coaches where he called them out in the media. He pretty much said Fred Hoiberg's explanation for benching him was bullshiz. And he quit on uh, yeah. Rick Carlisle in the playoffs with the Dallas Mavericks. And in general, he was just waived by two teams in a row, right? And he also was a headache for even Doc Rivers. So regardless of whether or not he's good with the young guys, my problem with going after Rajon Rondo is he presents yet again, another opportunity for one of the young guys to be undermined, whether that's Lonzo Ball or even the coach, Luke Walton. Like, I don't want Rajon Rondo going to the media and complaining that Luke Walton's not giving him minutes, you know? I don't care if he says he signs off on this. 
prior. He he did that with the Bulls, right. he did that with the Mavericks, and he still made a He's always done it. this. Yeah, so I mean, it doesn't matter if the young guys look up to him and he, he plays well with them. Like, at the end of the day, if he's going to cause more drama for everybody else in the organization involved, then that's not something that I necessarily want to have. So, yeah, I guess, what are your what are your thoughts right now on Rajon Rondo and Jamal Crawford, and would you rather pass on by those guys and go for the lower key signings? Yeah, definitely. I would take a hard pass on all of those guys that you listed. Um, that that be that means uh, Rondo, Jamal Crawford, and even Monte Ellis, who you referenced in the beginning. A hard pass on all three of those guys for me. Um, I just feel like none of those guys move the needle. They all are potential locker room issues if they don't accept the role they're given. Like Jamal Crawford what is that guy like 37 years old or something? And he, yep. he's not going to like fight with the coach per se, but he has also played a very specific role his entire career. And definitely for the last several years on like a playoff team, um, he comes in, I mean, he comes off the bench, but he plays like 25 to 30 minutes a game. He's a scorer. He's not really trying to create offense for other people. You could argue he's a, big time ball stopper he's not really like a catch and shoot like you know catch and shoot type of guy he is like for all the complaints we had of like lou williams or like all we thought that like everything we thought about lou williams before this past season is exactly what jamal crawford is going to be and like to the nth degree like he lou williams is young and like he's pretty quick and he has moves and he was able to adapt somehow to luke's system Jamal Crawford is not going to adapt. He is who he is. He, this is how he plays. He's not a catch-and-shoot guy. He's going to want the ball in his hands, and he's going to stop the ball. I would much rather go after some lower-tier guys who I don't know why we're not talking about, or at least the media isn't really talking about, but guys like Ian Clark, um, guys like C.J. Miles. These are the types of guys that I'm looking at, and I think they fill needs. They're shooters. They're veterans. They are bench players, and they're used to being bench players. Maybe C.J. Miles has started sometimes, but like he can be a player. Like, right? Honestly, he can just start. Whatever, I don't care. Like, we have to get rid of Clarkson anyway. So, like, these are the types of guys I'm looking towards, and I don't know if what the market is for one-year rentals. I mean, I can't wait for this moratorium to be over and for like teams to start, sign their rookies. I just wish that Eric Pincus or somebody out there would make a list of all the teams in their current expected cap space as of the end of the moratorium, meaning including all the announced signings by Woj and whoever and all their rookie signings. Um, make a caps a list of teams that have cap space after all of that and who have like and also teams that have like exceptions like the mid-level exception or the uh biannual exception or what just so we know what what we're competing against because to me it's like mind-boggling that ian clark doesn't have a deal mm -hmm. it's mind-boggling that even a guy like cj miles who can really shoot doesn't have a deal and i'm just sitting here thinking like at some level at some point who are we even going to be we need a we have to have some sort of frame of reference to see how realistic is is it to get these guys but anyway those are the types of guys that i would be targeting Definitely on the same boat as you. And I guess my problem right now with the front office's thinking is it feels like they are, I, th I feel like it's Mitch and Jim all over again. I think those, I do actually think they'll be able to execute that two max plan and Alan and I will get into yeah. that, the Paul George and LeBron James angle, but 
as for now, we still have to worry about this year, and the way they're operating reminds me so much of Mitch and Jim still, and their alternative backup options outside of George Hill and Dion Waiters, which would have been our best signings in years since Lou Williams and Meta World Peace, outside of those options, failing at those, them looking at like Jamal Crawford, Rajon Rondo, and Monte Ellis, it harkens back to bad signings of Chris Kamen, Carlos Boozer, Jordan Hill, just to try and cobble up a quote-unquote competitive team. Like, they still seem like they're right. going for the the poor home run optics, even with these one-year deals, when for so long we've just been asking them, can you just find a guy, a low-key guy, doesn't matter whether fans know him or not, whether or not he's a household name, that can just fit the system well, you know? The, the fans will understand. Lonzo Ball is enough to quell the fans just find guys who can fit the system. I know you need at least one veteran guard and another wing player, but it's so cheap to find a random dude, you know? It doesn't need to be Rajon right. Rondo. So that's my biggest uh, problem right now, and I'm hoping that they don't tie up this $17 million waiting for a guy like Rajon Rondo, or not even waiting for a guy like Rajon Rondo, or by jumping the gun and signing Rajon Rondo or Jamal Crawford. If, we're, if we've gone this long waiting already... Let's keep waiting till we just get the bargain bin, just right? Wait. Because, because this year it's so clear that everybody has sticker shock. All the deals that are being thrown out are so reasonable. So reasonable that Jordan Clarkson's deal looks whack now, you know? And yeah, at this I, point, seriously. you can, you can probably get like Anthony Morrow at $3 million for one year. You know, it doesn't even matter anymore. Right. Um, you can probably get. Ramon Sessions at $6 million one year and then just leave that cap space open for the rest of the year for like a trade to come just up. Just leave it open. If you just wait, yeah, if you just wait, just do it. Well, yeah, and what I was going to say, add to that also is people have this idea that like, oh, there's this huge punishment and penalty if you don't go up to the minimum because like that CBA sets like a floor, right? Like you have to hit a certain minimum salary that you're spending. All that happens is if you have not spent that money by the end of the year, it gets split between the players on your team. So yeah, most you know common thinking is, okay, well, you might as well just spend that on a player. I agree. However, if you, let's say we only sign like two, we only spend like $7 million or something of our 17 that we have to spend on one-year deals. If you have $10 million of cap space just sitting around, inevitably somebody is going to need to dump salary. It might be an expiring contract. Okay, well, you ask, why would somebody need to dump an expiring contract? Around the trade deadline, teams are going to know where they stand in the NBA. And a team that has spent a lot of money and has gone significantly over the cap and has incurred all this tax, but is not a playoff team, might just be like, well, shoot, we're just going to cut our losses because if we trade this guy who's an expiring $8 million for nothing, we cut that much cap space and we save like double that on taxes. So we're going to go ahead and do that. So you open yourself up for like those types of opportunities. That's why it's not just like, oh, well, Rondo's out there. Let's just offer him one year $17 million because that's, that's what we have to offer. You don't have to offer anything. Just wait. You know, Tyler Ennis is floating around there somewhere. Like, we <laughs> took a chance on him. He's in this practice facility once in a while. Like, he'll be around. Like, there's going to be other, you know, semi-younger vet type guys who are going to be around. Like, our team is going to be really, really bad regardless. Yeah, I, I, I agree with the philosophy of management that if you have a chance to get George Hill or you have a chance to get Dion Waiters, you explore those options because those are the types of guys that are just good to have around and would in incredibly help your your uh, young team in terms of just taking a lot of pressure off of certain guys. 
But if those guys are not available, everybody else is a wash to me. Rajon Rondo is essentially, because of his negative you know, personality traits, is as good as just signing Tyler Ennis, in my eyes. And I know that's like blasphemy to so many people, but I don't care if Rajon Rondo comes in here and gets 10 points and 10 assists. It's like you said, and shoots like a decent percentage from three. It's like you said, he has had issues with teammates. He's had issues with coaches, with like everybody, with the media. He's going to be like a huge locker room issue. I, I don't know. I'm still praying to God that that's, that that's not from the Lakers side and that's one sided from his camp. But anyway, I, I a hundred percent agree with you that you start looking, looking at the bargain bin at that point. So with that said, to close this segment out, I'm just going to list out a couple guys and you give me two, two names that you'd like out of there. I know you said Ian Clark, but we can add that as one of your guys, but I just want to make a full list right now. So we're going to need shooting and defense. They keep saying shooting and defense, which Rajon Rondo can't do, which Jim Wall Crawford can't do. So let's, let's push that aside. But yes, they keep saying shooting and defense. So with that said, guys like Ian Clark, CJ Miles, KJ McDaniels, Gerald Green, Tyreek Evans, hey, Mario Chalmers, if you want a veteran guard, Jordan McRae, who always kills the Lakers, uh, Deron Williams, Anthony Morrow, Tabo Cephalosha, 3 and D guy right there. He's older, but you know what? One year could be good. Ramon Sessions, James Johnson. I don't know if Miami's going to re-sign him now that Dion Waiters is back, but he did really well for Miami last year. And then my dark horse veteran candidate, Vince 40-year-old, half-man, half-amazing Vince Carter, if he wants to do a one-year mentorship program. So with that said, I can go first. I think, like you, I'm going to put Ian Clark as, you know, one of my guys. And then from there, you need, like, you need a veteran point guard. So... I would get somebody like Ramon Sessions or Mario Chalmers or what the hell. Let's let's even take Tyreek Evans. You know, Ian Clark fills that shooting 3 and D type role. And if you need another competent ball handler, then maybe get Tyreek Evans. Yeah, someone like that. So who would who would you pick out of that that list, I guess? I like Ian Clark, and I would actually just use him as a backup point guard. Um, like the Warriors uh, mostly used him. And, and then I would also go with, um, from that list... Gerald Green. Ooh, interesting, because you you love Gerald I like, Green ever since 2010 or 2000. <laughs> I, I love Gerald Green ever since 2005 when Seven, I thought the yeah. Lakers were going to, or whenever it was, when I thought the Lakers were going to draft him and we ended up drafting Bynum. But I, uh, I, I think Gerald Green is solid. He has played in th- these types of system offenses. I mean, he, he did very well with Boston, I thought. Um, yeah. And... Uh, yeah, I mean, I think his defense is okay, and he can play the shooting guard, and he can play a little bit of a wing if if we need that in like a bind, and um, he can shoot threes, and uh, yeah. And he can do a hezzy pull-up Jimbo, so we need one of those guys who can do a hezzy pull-up Jimbo. So, I mean, literally anybody out of this list that's not named Rajon Rondo <laughs> or Jamal Crawford. Of your list? I, I mean, I'm you were okay going with. through this list. And I felt so much better, actually, about our prospects, <laughs> assuming we don't burn all our space on Rondo. Some of those names are really not that bad at all. Like, if we yeah. if we end up with, like, two of those guys on that list not named Rondo, I will be very happy. Yeah, literally just pick and choose two out of a hat, and if we go with them, split the money. We're, we did it. We did it, guys. We um, did it, yeah. Like, like you said, I also like CJ Miles, you know? CJ Miles, Ian Clark, even if you don't have a veteran point guard, like, that works. I, I agree, yeah. You know, or CJ Miles, Tyler Ennis, Ian Clark, Tyler Ennis, do that combo, you know? If you want to get Ian Clark in, maybe you give him 
12 million of that amount and then give 5 million to Tyler Ennis for one year. And there you go. We're done. Right. So exactly. Like, like we said, any combo of that would work. Um, I guess to end this, you know, we're just going to cross our fingers here, but I guess lastly, and let's not take too much time on this, but what do you think about the trade angle? Because we thought the Lakers would be trying to make moves and maybe once to, once the moratorium ends tomorrow, we'll get a better and clearer idea of that. You know, I think Boston still needs to unload guys, including Marcus Smart and even Avery Bradley, unless two or three of those guys are just going immediately in the sign and trade for Hayward. But if they still need to move guys, they could be an option. But I think that's unlikely because Boston owns our pick and they're not going to help us out by making our team right. any... Um, I know the Raptors also, after fully signing Kyle Lowry and Serge Ibaka back, they may need to get rid of Corey Joseph. Problem with him is he has two years left on that $7 million, so we don't want to jeopardize that cap space, even though it's arguable that you could still flip him at the deadline or at the end of the year because he's an asset. But I guess what are your prospects now on some trades, or do you just think we're just going to try and sign somebody and go into this the season? Um, I think we will be active in the trade market, but... Like you said, it's a limited market because of what we're trying to take back. Um, I think the one interesting thing is, so Gordon Hayward is now with Boston, and Paul George is now with Oklahoma City, and Chris Paul is now with Houston. I think of those three teams, at least two of them are not done dealing. I can see Memphis maybe making like a move for Marcus Saul, maybe they see the writings on the wall and if Boston comes at them with like a package of assets, it might be hard for them to turn away from that. I can see Houston making a run at Carmelo Anthony from the Knicks. I think Melo is on the way out and everybody in the world knows, and he will only waive his no trade clause for a few teams. So obviously neither of those scenarios involve the Lakers, but I, I can see the Lakers at least in the Carmelo Anthony situation, possibly not in both getting involved in some way as like a third team um, because we have some flexibility. We have some pieces that we might be trying to move to, like for example, a Clarkson who we can get out there and maybe take back an expiring contract from somebody. So I can see us trying to get involved. I don't want to go too deep down the rabbit hole, but I have a a theory on us trying to get involved in some sort of Carmelo Anthony maneuver. Um, But we'll maybe we'll save that for another time. But uh but yeah, I think I think we'll be involved in trades. Cool. And, you know, like we said, the moratorium will make everything clear for us. And hopefully this episode is not obsolete in 24 hours, but it probably will be. But I think it's still useful because we laid out the caps, cap plan for the Lakers and why it's so rigid. And who knows, hopefully we have Ian Clark and CJ Miles or whatever at the end of this. So with that said, uh, my talk with Alan and the Paul George trade reaction and also... LeBron James is coming up (laughs) right after the turn. So, Tommy, I will let you go. All right, later. Yeah, I'm pretty quiet, you know, humble. I don't like to be on the cameras like that. But uh, he's been like that my whole life, so it's nothing new for me. I keep telling everybody that. They're like, how do you you deal with it? I mean, it's nothing new. So um, he's always been like that, and if he was acting different, then I'd probably act a little bit more strange. Okay, so obviously the big move that happened just... A few hours before free agency started that pertains to the Lakers. Paul George is now with the OKC Thunder. He is the new Kevin Durant to Russell Westbrook. And I guess my first question, Alan, is what? where were you? What happened when you literally read that tweet? And what were you thinking? So I was actually on my way to dinner at a place in Alhambra, California called Ritter's 
which is a Cajun and Creole restaurant. Okay. Never been there before. I was with my cousin and her boyfriend. Shout out to them. Uh, was socializing, therefore was not checking my phone. And this is Friday evening, right? Like mm-hmm. 6 o'clock. So I get a text message from none other than my mother oh. saying, Paul George just got <laughs> traded to OKC. <laughs> Your mom is the my new sources. My mom broke the news, man. So shout out to mom. Um, I suddenly became incredibly asocial with my cousin and her boyfriend. I was like, hold up. I need to go in a hole right now and uh, just check all this stuff out. So that's how I found out, man. And I had an amazing dinner, though. I highly recommend Ritter's in Alhambra. So good. <laughs> yeah, so... For me, the first my first impression was well, one the tweet seemed surreal because just it came out of nowhere, right? There were no rumors about it really this. came out of nowhere for me, dude. It literally was one of those things where no semblance of a cookie trace or yeah. anything, you know? It was like boom, OKC Thunder. What we never even heard about this as a possibility for anything Paul George related, and we learn later that you know OKC's been trying to do this since the All Star break, pretty much. They've been trying to facilitate a deal, but obviously Indiana, if they're rejecting deals from Boston, they clearly were going to reject something from. OKC, but obviously as their leverage lesson, as Paul George let it be known that he wants to go to the Lakers and he pretty much probably wants to be traded, Indiana was like, okay, we want him out of the East Coast, let's send him to the West, and this isn't the best offer, probably, but out of spite and out of pettiness, we're going to send him to the Thunder. And I think my initial impression of this deal was this was a deal made out of pettiness. You know, it's pretty much what we talked about from things that we've been hearing from Pacers forums and whatnot that... Pritchard was so butthurt over what Paul George did and the flip-floppiness of it all, him changing his sentiments all of a sudden, that a large part of it probably came down to pride and not wanting to, one, give Paul George what he wanted, and two, not wanting to send him to the Lakers. Especially because I think the other angle to this is it's not like the Lakers only had specific assets to give. They were specifically withholding their best assets, like Ingram and Ball, because they knew they had the leverage. And as Ramona Shelburne reported, Pritchard... If he was going to make a deal with the Lakers, he wanted to make sure he won the deal, right? Yeah, right. And clearly that's not going to happen. There's no yeah. way he would ever get what he wants. No, not and at And he all. didn't. Yeah. The only thing he got satisfaction was uh, sending him to an even smaller market, yep. to a place where he is still going to be the middle of the pack in a very difficult conference. Yes. So that gives him satisfaction if he could sleep at night, you know, kudos to him. Yeah, and I guess the spin here is that, in I mean, Oladipo came from Indiana. He is like a hometown sure, kid. Right, right. Everybody likes that, that homecoming angle. That might push some ticket sales, you know yeah, what I mean? I mean, it's like, sure. sure, whatever. But if we're looking at things objectively, obviously there was also that report that, you know, the Celtics at the trade deadline, this could obviously be Danny Ainge spin because he always does this whenever a deal happens that he'd always go out there and push out, hey, by the way, we offered this, 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 and this. They just didn't want it. But, you know, so so obviously take that with a grain of salt. But there's no doubt in my my mind that the Celtics probably could have offered a better deal. It's just Indiana didn't want to wait, one, for them to see if they could get Gordon Hayward and then push out better assets. And Pritchard was just ready to pull the the trigger on this deal, I guess. And I guess he wanted to do it before free agency so he could see what moves he could make in free agency. Right. But let's look at this from the OKC Thunder side. Obviously, Russell Westbrook was doing a little dance, very excited that he got Paul George, and even more excited because... (laughs) 
Paul George is a lesser version of Kevin Durant. So yeah. for Westbrook, it's like, yeah, it's maybe. Like, good, I can... okay, you're not that good. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I could still be the man. Exactly. You know? Yeah, yeah. This guy just won MVP. Like, this is actually what I need. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> so he was too good. So I mean, we love Russell Westbrook, and we're not, like, bashing on him. Yeah, good for Russell Westbrook to finally, after one season where they just had pretty much their best player walk from them, have the next best thing in Paul George come. So that's great. And from the OKC Thunders end, this was literally a no-risk, no-lose situation because as we've been saying on Twitter, Oladipo, starting next year, is owed $24 million each year, pretty much an $84 million contract over four years. DeMontis Sabonis. Damn. <laughs> yeah, damn is right. DeMontis Sabonis, you know, he showed some flashes. Pretty good player at number 13, but at the end of the day, it's like chump change, you know? Um, yeah. At the end of the day, he's just a well, filler piece. How good piece. do you think he's going to be? Is he going to be his dad? No, probably not. Is he going to be uh, Paul George? Uh, obviously not. No. So, whatever. Is Zubats probably going to be better than him? Yes. So if you look at it that <laughs> way, so, yeah. if you look at it that way, this package was really nothing. From OKC's end, they actually wanted to get out of Oladipo's contract. Oh, that is sure. a huge contract to be giving a guy who averaged 16 points and hasn't shown the leaps that people expected from him four years ago. He's been in the league for four years now. Yeah, it's been a while. It's like, crap. Is he just, is he who he is? Right. You know it's kind of I mean? like that Jordan Clarkson thing. Obviously, he's better like once than he Jordan Clarkson. Once he loses his athleticism. Yeah. Yeah. What is like, he? what skills does he actually He hasn't possess? improved his shooting. You know what kind of skills he does have? Vocal skills. Oh, he can sing. I mean, that's sing, probably, man. that oh, probably yeah. factored into <laughs> it for sure. New York. <laughs> okay, but, and then obviously he won the slam dunk, dunk of the year, which he shouldn't have won, he first won of all. That, it was nice, but Larry yeah. Nance was. Larry Nance should have won. Stank face nice. Yeah, but anyways, overall, OKC. For them, this was like a salary dump deal. If you look at it this way, this was their <laughs> D'Angelo Russell Mozgov salary dump deal, and they're getting a Brooke Lopez rental, except their Brooke Lopez is Paul George, <laughs> like a top 10 player. So from Sam Presti's end, he's already done the number one thing he sought to do. You know, I think he'll say the number one thing is to get Russell Westbrook help, but realistically, how can you really say that if you know Paul George might be a rental from everything mm-hmm. that he said, right? So that's just the that's just the icing on the cake that Paul George is coming and it shows Russell Westbrook that you're really trying. But really the number one objective was let me get out of Victor Oladipo's crazy contract so that I can make moves in the future should Paul George leave, should Russell Westbrook leave. If they leave, then at least I have cap space and I don't have this albatross contract on my books. Yeah, exactly. Because Oladipo is not worth $84 million no, over the next no. four years. They are so much better off for this move in the short term as well as the long term. Right. So I guess what do you think about this and how it relates to the D'Angelo-Russell trade? Because for me, it makes it look even worse because why didn't... I mean, look, this is Indiana's problem too, Pritchard. The fact that Pritchard and Indiana pretty much chose... Oladipo and Sabonis over D'Angelo Russell and oh, Timothy sure. Mozgov. Yeah. And Mozgov, by the way, has one year less than Victor Oladipo. Three yeah, years exactly. left. He comes off your book so much sooner. So why would Indiana do this outside of the fact that this is petty? I Out mean, of can... spite, man. That's it. Right. That's got to be it. But if you're looking at this objectively, you're telling me that you wouldn't want a cost-controlled D'Angelo Russell for the next two years, and he's definitely not going to make Victor Oladipo money coming out of that, even after his rookie extension. And you only have to eat up three more years of Mozgov's contract. So you're telling me Victor Oladipo at 25 has more potential than 20-year-old D'Angelo Russell? Maybe they really like Sabonis. Or not like really like, but they just feel like Sabonis could be serviceable. Like he could be... 
the fifth or sixth best player on your team. And then Oladipo is like the third best player. Whereas D'Angelo, I don't know what, you know, who knows what they see on him. Yeah. The, 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 the jury is out on that yeah. one. And Mozgov is literally like just nothing. Right. So if you just add those parts up, they may have actually looked at it like, well, this is a better package. <laughs> I think they may have had to rationalize themselves into thinking oh, I that. Mean, yeah, you could convince yourself yeah. of anything. And then just to add more insult to injury, like it's the Lakers. So they're like, I oh, forget it. Right. But objectively looking, I don't, I think the majority of the public would rather have had upside D'Angelo Russell and then Mozgov. It's not like you can't play that guy off the bench, you know? Sure. Over a, a Victor Oladipo at 25, who you kind of are starting to know who this guy is. Capped upside, you're paying him 20 million. If you knew that you could take on cap space like that anyways, then it doesn't hurt to have Mozgov at 16 million. And just have D'Angelo Russell, who fits much better, next to Miles Turner. You know, needed to happen is Mikhail Prokhorov had to buy the Indiana Pacers. They would have made the Mozgov deal because they got that Russia yeah. connection. Yeah, but it just doesn't make sense. Like if you're yeah, looking, if you're trying to really build weird. out your team and actually rebuild correctly, you need a modern day NBA guard like D'Angelo Russell to lead your team. And the fact that you shunned him makes no sense. Even I bet if, you that IU angle really does play I mean, into it. Is. It does, for sure. Yeah. It's, it's just silly, and that's the way he's rationalizing it to their fans as well. Yeah. But if, if you're objectively looking at it, he could have had D'Angelo Russell, Russell, Mozgov, and I'm sure we would have given up the 28th pick too. Yeah. They didn't get any picks out of this. I know. That's insane. Not, not even some crazy conditional protected for, blah, 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 blah insane get, yeah, stuff. At you least know get what a I mean? second like, rounder. That's something. It's another asset. Or a second rounder. Potentially. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, you're, you're telling me that if we had offered D'Angelo Russell, Mozgov, we wouldn't have also included number 28 or if oh my push, God, or, of if, course, dude. or if push comes to sho- shove Zubats, yeah. we get rid of Mozgov already and we get Paul George. Yeah, For me, yeah. Pritchard, he let his emotions get to him, obviously. Probably. And I think like we said, oh, he's not going to do this because it looks, it looks bad mm-hmm. on him and the organization. Just to give in like that. But I guess he didn't care at a certain point. And yeah. I guess he's pushing out this narrative that, this package is, you know, comparable to other packages. And, hey, it's subjective at the end of the day. Victor Oladipo, IU Connection, Sabonis, we see high upside, whatever. He can he yeah. can push that all he wants to. But I think a lot of people can read past that and say, no, this is a spite move. And I think Ramona even mentioned it. It was either Ramona or somebody else who said, look, they just didn't want to deal with the Lakers. They didn't yeah. want to give Paul George what he wanted. And they wanted to push him from the east to the west. Mm-hmm, so. Exactly. What are what's Pacers Nation saying at this point? They're rationalizing it for themselves. Okay. I saw some people on Reddit though go, "Hey, we should have just taken that Randall Clarkson 2728 mm-hmm. package." Uh, and some people were like, "No, I like Oladipo blah blah blah." So, I mean, let's let's go there. Even if taking De- putting D'Angelo aside, you're telling me you would rather have Victor Oladipo who you're not even sure if he's a point guard. He isn't, first uh-uh. of all. No, 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 no. Then he's Julius, an undersized two. Then Julius Randle, 21-year-old, 22-year-old Julius Randle, next to Miles Turner, who we've already said this fit is perfect. That'd My, be sick. Like, Julius Randle can pass. You know, he does all that bully ball stuff. He can rebound. Miles Turner also covers his deficiencies. Miles Turner can shoot and help Julius Randle out. Jordan Clarkson pretty much does the poor man's version of what Oladipo does. Exactly, yeah. And you get a guy like Josh Hart or Kyle Kuzma to help the rebuild. Yeah, those picks. That would really be the selling point. So for me, it just it just doesn't make sense. That is objectively also a better deal than Victor Oladipo and DeMontis Sabonis. Randall has higher upside than Sabonis. From all angles, it's clear this was a spite move. And if I'm Pacers fan, I'm like, I can rationalize it all I want, but I would have rather had Randall. Yeah, right. 
So, I mean, it sucks that we couldn't get this deal done. There were a lot of factors working against the Lakers, obviously, like we said, because they did have better assets that we just weren't going to surrender that Pritchard was pushing for. Thank God we didn't. We, yeah, thank God we didn't, actually. But, um, yeah, so here we are. I guess my question to you is, when you first read that he is an Oklahoma City Thunder, what were your impressions in terms of, okay, well, what are the percentages now that he is still likely to become a Laker? And is this, quote-unquote, the best-case scenario if he were to be traded? Yeah, I, I think uh, the first thing I thought was, oh, he's definitely going to be here next year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, there's absolute. I'm pretty sure, like, there's 99% chance that he is leaving Oklahoma City. There's, like, no scenario where I can imagine him staying there. So yeah, my first impression, uh, beyond being shocked was I was, I was very happy that that was the destination. Boston would have been awful. Cleveland would have been awful. And then aside from that, like the Houston, like that wasn't going to work because they don't have anybody left on their team. That's never, that hasn't been a serious concern. Uh, what other teams have been floated out of like Portland at some or point Denver. was it's like, yeah, like yeah. Denver to heck no. Yeah. Right. Um, so as long as it wasn't Boston or Cleveland, I was going to be pretty happy. And again, because OKC wasn't even on our radar, um, all the more so it was like, okay, this is great. Like yeah. there's a very good chance he'll be a Laker next year. Yeah. So I was on board with all of that. You know, I even tweeted out, man, sucks that Russell Westbrook's going to have to see another wing player leave him. You know, I was on board super high, super lit. I'm like, oh, this is the best case scenario. Uh, definitely in terms of it's a hell of a lot better, like you said, than him going to Boston or Cleveland. And also, like we've said, Westbrook is a very polarizing player. He dominates the ball, high usage. In my mind, initially, I was like, man, the only way that this there's a potential for Paul George to stay is if Westbrook actually changes how he plays and changes how he played when Kevin Durant was there and doesn't hog the ball and try and assist Hunt and gives Paul George more of, you know, control over the team. You know, that's the only way. If he, if, he, if he takes his assist average down to five and says, here, Paul George, you can initiate the offense too. I mean, there's a chance he could do that, sure. but it's still highly unlikely. The guy just won MVP, you know, it gives him yeah. more license to be Russell Westbrook. Just keep playing his game, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's going to be interesting, that dynamic, and Paul George very well might be frustrated playing with such a ball-dominant guy because Paul George has always been the man in Indiana. He's never played with someone like that. The closest thing is like George Hill and George Hill he's like a combo guard he doesn't yep. dominate the ball if anything Paul George was the guy initiating the offense etc cetera, etc cetera. so he might <laughs> get a thing was Monte Ellis yeah I guess so yeah <laughs> and, yeah. and he hated it last year exactly. obviously but yeah Paul George might have some sort of culture shock I mean he will um, in so many ways yeah and then outside of that it's Oklahoma City you know that's a place with tornadoes and bad weather etc cetera, etc cetera. for a guy who in six months could go back home and play in LA so I definitely agreed I, I wouldn't say it's the best case scenario because the best case scenario would have been Denver or Portland. You know, if he was with Denver, yeah, yeah, then I would like be like, so okay, whack. there's literally nobody yeah. here that can keep him. Like the Knicks. Yes, the Knicks, <laughs> exactly. But I've come back a little bit, and this is not just to play devil's advocate, and I do want to temper some expectations because even though this isn't Boston or Cleveland, this is still a trade to another team not named the Lakers, right? To a team with a legitimate superstar named Russell Westbrook who just won MVP. So in the way that I painted Russell Westbrook in a bad light, you can also paint it in a good oh, light of course. in terms of he's never played with a player like this. That's bad. Well, guess what? He's also never played with a player like this yeah, so in terms knows? of a legitimate superstar. Mm-hmm. So, and obviously when Kevin Durant left Westbrook, and I think Chris Mannix brought this up, he brought the point, a good point that Kevin Durant left Westbrook to go with Steph Curry and the Golden State Warriors to legitimately win a championship. 
will Paul George necessarily leave Westbrook to go to Brandon Ingram and Lonzo Ball? And? Uh, Luau Dang? <laughs> you know, that other guy that's rumored to be coming here. Oh, yeah. I mean, obviously. That, exactly. But, I mean, just on its face, on the oh, face value sure, vacuum. Sure. It's obviously very different context. Oh, yeah, definitely. On paper, it is a major step down. Yes. It's you like know? you're leaving a for-sure Russell Westbrook. Yeah, a team for... that's going to be the fourth or the fifth seed yeah, in the West. exactly. So that's where I want to kind of temper expectations because there's also been reports that, you know, Paul George has still saying that he wants to be in L.A. That's still his preference, but he's also open-minded. That's literally a report. He's open-minded and he's going to approach this in a business-like fashion. He's going to see how it goes. And like you said, I expect them to be very competitive. Obviously, the West got a hell of a lot tougher this year. Thank so that, goodness. that helps our case. Denver got better. Paul Millsap. Minnesota with Jimmy Butler, Jeff Teague. You know, everybody is getting better in the West. So that helps. But when you have two superstars like Paul George and Russell Westbrook, I mean, anything happens at that point. Even though a lot of these teams bolstered themselves, there's not a lot of teams that have Paul George, Russell Westbrook type caliber players. You know, it's maybe Houston with James Harden and Chris Paul, but that fit is questionable. Like I it's said, got to root against OKC every single game next year. Right. It doesn't matter who they're playing. Right. But like I said, I think those are some reasons why I think it's not a surefire thing. So what percentage would you give it? Uh, right now to the Lakers, probably still 70, 30. Okay. You know, it's a pretty good percentage, but honestly, what if they make the Western conference finals and that's Russell Westbrook, that would suck. Then they better get swept. Yeah. I hope so. I hope so. And I hope, (laughs) I hope they just have like, he has like a bad experience. (laughs) Yeah. Same dude. But like you said, obviously a lot of it is going to hinge on, and we'll talk about this in just a second, the LeBron James angle and whether or not LA tells him hey, guess who we have waiting in the wings? So it's not like you're leaving Russell Westbrook for a fantasy or something like that. It's LeBron James. So that would almost mimic Kevin Durant going with Steph Curry, Mm -hmm. right? And a better system and a better passing environment. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that could all happen. But again, nothing is set in stone. And like I said, the the number one best case scenario would have been Lakers trading for Paul George. I mean, at the end of the day, that's what I thought would have happened. But yeah, that's why I say maybe temper our expectations a little bit. Paul George is not a Sherlock, but given the other scenarios out there, this is probably the best case. So my last thing on this trade is what about the thought of recruiting Westbrook? Because obviously Russell Westbrook is going to be an unrestricted free. He could be an unrestricted free agent in 2018 and take his player option. Both Paul George and Russell Westbrook can use this time to build their <laughs> build chemistry. Their chemistry. <laughs> I was joking with my friend Andy. And just relocate over here. Yeah, shout out to my best friend Andy, who's allowed me to go to countless Lakers games since I was in middle school. We were joking around that Paul George and Russell Westbrook might just pass to no one else but each other and run pick and rolls <laughs> with just each other. And then they'll start asking Steven Adams to shoot a bunch of threes, rebound less, and play no defense to mimic Brooke Lopez. And then they'll ask Jeremy Grant to play like Ingram. They'll just start accidentally calling players by Lakers names like, hey, hey, ball, ball. I mean, Samaj Christian. Sorry, sorry. Hey, Brooke Lopez. I mean, oh, I mean, Adams. Jordan Clarkson? Wait, no, Roberson. 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 Clark- Roberson. <laughs> yeah, so that would be hilarious. I hope they do that. And, like, they take some time apart from the rest of the team. They got, like, purple and gold shoes, purple and gold (laughs) sleeves, socks. Yeah, man, they just start scheming for this stuff. And Steven (laughs) Adams, in his, like, weird New Zealand act, like, why do I have to do this? You know? Why do I gotta do this? Why do I have to do this, Mike? (laughs) It's because, man, we just just want you to shoot more threes, okay? And rebound less, okay? I just want to see how it it works. (laughs) So, yeah, that would be interesting. I think that's less likely to happen, actually. Because Russell Westbrook, for one... He wants to be Kobe, you know? Mm-hmm. And yeah. outside of that, 
Oklahoma City can offer him the super max. They can offer him that ridiculous five-year, six-year, 200-plus million dollar contract that Steph Curry just got. Yep. And they say he's a homebody. Like, he just likes to hang out at home with his wife and then do basketball stuff. Right. So you don't have to live in Los Angeles or whatever to do that. He can just stay put where he is. And like you said... You know, he's got that, I want to be with one team and stick it through and make, make the best of it kind of mentality, which is very respectable. So uh, I don't see him coming to the Lakers with Paul George. He would look like such a heel if he did that, and that's just not in his DNA. However, if he did, I would freak out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like like you said, I mean, the guy just won MVP. He has a lot of pride, obviously. And if Paul George leaves... He doesn't leaves... want to look like a chump. <laughs> no. And if Paul George leaves him, he'll just use that as more motivation. Like, oh, all these wins want to want to leave me? Fine. I'll show them and win MVP mm-hmm. again. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it'll be one of those things. And like we said, you know, for Thunder, this was a risk worth taking because even if Paul George leaves, they will then have cap space to once again try and surround Russell Westbrook with some pieces that can actually help him. They would prefer Paul George didn't leave, but because they now have Paul George and Victor Oladipo, frankly, was an untradeable contract, you know, regardless of how much upside he has as a 25-year-old player, no one's going to take on $84 million. And you're seeing that in this free agency summer, everybody has sticker shock and doesn't want to spend too much money or, you know, even give out too many years, you know. Um, so trying to trade a guy like Victor Oladipo would have been a headache. But now they have Paul George, and let's say... Things aren't going as well midseason. They aren't. They maybe they're like the seventh seed. Paul George is having some strife, and Presti obviously notices all of this stuff. As a smart GM, you would consider, I might lose this guy for nothing, but guess what? I can still use him as a trade chip. And yeah, what do you think about that angle of him potentially trading Paul George midseason to another team who is a contending team and are, is willing to take the risk? Because obviously Boston is still there, and at this point. They can probably just offer up the crap package they were offering up at the start, which didn't involve any picks, but involved guys that they need to get out of anyways, contract-wise, like Jay Crowder, Marcus Smart, you know? Maybe they give up uh, the Clippers' 2019 protected pick because it doesn't matter to them, right? What if Boston swoops in? A lot of people are asking, well, can the Lakers try and finagle their way in there too and say, hey, he's going to come to us anyways, but guess what? You can get Randall, you can get Clarkson, you can get, you know, Josh Hart or something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, that's obviously a possibility too, but sure. I would say, once again, it's Presti having to deal with someone, a, a, another Western Conference team. He would presumably like to ship him off to the East. Yeah, he wants. He would want to make it as difficult as possible yeah. for anyone in his conference to improve themselves. Yeah, and it, it, once again... Especially if this LeBron thing it has, like, a lot of legs to it. Like, why would you want to make it easier for us, you know, to get exactly. to that point? And it would once again have to fall under, well, is our package going to be significantly better enough than the Boston Celtics package for them to make that move, you know? So I guess what are your thoughts on that? And if Boston, the Boston Celtics are able to, you know, by midseason, they're number one, you know, in the East, and they're yeah. like, hey, we can make this oh risk my, now. That'd be so crazy. That kind of reminds me of, like, when we traded for Pau Gasol midseason and yeah. just became so much better. But, like, you don't see superstars moving at the deadline that like that to really good teams yeah. that often. But, Unless uh, you have a rental, like exactly. Paul George. It's a very unique situation. So, I mean, I, I could see that in that sense. It's like, all right, let's hope things aren't so terrible in OKC for them where that yeah. happens. We, we just want them to be middle of the pack. Yeah. But uh, I wouldn't put it past them. You yeah. absolutely have to consider that. If you're Sam Presti, you could be like, all right, look, like I made the effort. I tried. I got Paul George to help things out, and it just isn't working, and he's going to walk anyway. So now, like you said, I might as well get something back in return. I can mm-hmm. get some picks now. I can get whatever for him. 
that would just be so frenetic. That'd be crazy. You know what I mean? Like, just so much crap happening. And we would have to think about, oh, man, he just got traded to OKC. Oh, man, he just got traded to Boston. We had, like, so many different yeah, paradigm shifts and, like, oh, well, well he's... emotional roller coaster. Yeah, I can't he, deal. Is he going to leave from Celtics now because they're the number one? That that would totally kill it for me, I think. I mean, I hope, you know, wherever he would go, hopefully chemistry-wise, it just sucks. <laughs> like, yeah, it just yeah. doesn't work out because that's such a short period of time to adapt. Like, yeah. the other thing with Pau, though, is when we acquired him you know we weren't thinking oh wow we're gonna make it to the championship right now yeah but it, it did work out mm-hmm. like perfectly well what are the odds of that happening with him going to one of those top teams in the east like he's a very good player and those are very good teams and they're well coached so i guess like the chances are pretty high that it would work out but i would also say that there's a chance it would like they might have a minor setback to start yeah just adjusting and that sort of thing and who knows maybe that would turn him off yeah i mean like you said the hope is they just play out the season with yep, Paul exactly. George, and they are pretty good. And then, you know, they fall off just at the end. got to toe that line. Yeah. I'm sure they're going to be really good, but I think I want there to be some sort of chemistry strife in the way that both players like to play, the style of play they like to see, where it's not as much ball movement. Paul George experiences the same sort of questions and problems Kevin Durant did, where it's like too much iso ball, not enough movement. We don't have the right pieces around us, and so... Yeah, I think the one thing that will help prevent that is that looks bad for Russell Westbrook, who has not signed the extension, right? If you trade away Paul George, even if it's like a preemptive move where you're like, hey, dude, this guy might leave. We got to get whatever we can for him. Russell Westbrook could say, yeah, I might leave, too. That's true. Imagine, yeah, that actually really pissed Russell Westbrook off if he got <laughs> traded at the deadline. Yeah. Well, are you freaking serious? Like, then what is this year even about? Yeah. You're just getting, like, I get it. You have to think about the organization long term. But for Westbrook's sake, yeah, I'd be pissed. Yeah. Even if it's for, like, you know, pretty good players like Ju- you know, He's Juven- got to start yeah. all over yeah. again, though. It, yeah. it is like a wasted season for them if yeah. that were to happen. I think they may have been able to do this if Russell Westbrook committed to the extension before the season or whatever. But now that you know he can be an unrestricted free agent, you don't want to to- Ooh, yeah, take that chance. You probably don't do that. So, good luck, guys. <laughs> oh, no, I don't see that happening now. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, yeah, that should be very interesting. And obviously, we'll monitor it closely. So, you know, good luck to those guys, I guess. The Western Conference is stacked but I guess now we can transition easily to what are the Lakers plans here it's clear that they literally did draw a hard line stance we are not going to give up Brandon Ingram we're not going to give up Lonzo Ball obviously we can go back to we still wish they would have kept D'Angelo Russell as an asset because even if Indiana said no back then not necessarily the case they would have said no now knowing that the best offer was Oladipo and whatever right because we essentially could have still Given them D'Angelo, Mozgov, okay, we'll throw in Randall too at that point, right? If we were willing to give up Randall the first time. So that was one way we could have upped our package. But now that it's clear we were only willing to go so far, and obviously we can question whether or not, did they even offer Zubat? Did they even offer Larry Nance? Because at this point it's kind of leaning towards no, because yeah. if, if, if I was Pritchard and they threw in those guys, yeah, like, why wouldn't you what tips take scale. that? Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, you know, good on them for not caving and still being confident in the fact like, hey, He's told us through back channels that he wants to be in L.A. and we'll keep him to his word. But we also have another piece in play here. Dun, dun, dun! And that play, my friends, is LeBron James. And I know we've said that many years, like pretty much every year, that Mitch and Jim have been here. But this year, this upcoming next year, especially 2018 summer, it feels a bit different. Times Um, have changed. Times have changed. And so... We've gotten multiple people, multiple respectable people saying, 
I think LeBron James is going to highly consider the Los Angeles Lakers, you know? From Ramona Shelburne said that herself. Jalen Rose, like, seemed like he was the one who broke it. Oh, really? Yeah. Jalen Rose said it on his thing with uh, Jacoby. And was like, yeah, LeBron's going to go to the Lakers. And everyone thought he was absolutely full of it and just crazy. You know what I mean? Yeah. That was like over a month ago. Right. And then on top of it, we're hearing stuff about how LeBron James is not going to actively recruit any free agents for Cleveland. right? And I was like, what? (laughs) Why would you not do that? Right, right. You know, so there's just a bunch of He's like, I averaged a triple double in the finals. Like, I did my job. Yeah. And then on top of that, Mike Trudell even went on the radio to break some of the rumors a couple weeks ago about how Dan Gilbert approached LeBron James discussing a potential trade involving Kyrie Irving going to the Phoenix Suns. And somehow in this three-team trade with the Suns, Pacers, and Cleveland, Cleveland would get back Paul George, Eric Bledsoe, and... I guess Indiana would get the number four. And so Dan Gilbert approached LeBron James, asked him for his opinion and thoughts, and LeBron pretty much told Gilbert, I can't get involved with any of that because I can't promise I'm going to be here. So Mike Trudell is reporting that. I mean, not reporting, but he's bringing that rumor up on the radio. Chris Boussard has reported that. A number of other different outlets have also, you know, leaked this rumor. So at this point, all of this is going on, and it's not even a when there's smoke, there's fire scenario. It's when there's fire, there could be a brush fire scenario. Outside of that, though, there's this other bigger angle going on in the entertainment sphere of things that lends itself to pointing LeBron James could be headed to L.A., capital of Hollywood and just entertainment, movies, etc. Essentially, we've heard Genie Bus talking with Maverick Carter. LeBron James is his uh, like a business, business partner. Business partner. Yeah. So Genie's had multiple dinners with him. And from the entertainment sense, there have, the people have gotten wind that LeBron James is trying to make his way over to Los Angeles in 2018 because in 2019 they are planning to do Space Jam 2, which obviously he's going to be the main star for. And they want to line things up perfectly so that LeBron James makes one last career, crazy career shift, line it up with him becoming a Laker, being in Los Angeles, and pumping out all the Hollywoodness for all it's worth in that package, right? And outside of that, Jeff Katz went on ESPN 710 last week. And Jeff Katz is like an entertainment guy. He's been like producers or something like that for different shows and movies and whatnot. So he's well connected. He's more of an entertainment person than a sports person. No, totally. And it would make sense that you'd hear about these things from this entertainment angle before it would leak at a sports level. Just because, you know, LeBron they have James... They no reason, yeah, yeah. like, to keep their mouths shut. Exactly. Yeah. And you need to plan these things in ahead because you can't make a movie in, like, one year or six months. And so Jeff Katz comes on and says he's, he used to be a movie executive at Fox, said he's been given tips that it's happening, willing to take an educated bet on his house that it happens. And he said Dwayne Wade's brother laid out a year ahead of time to him the big three in Miami plan said he called Raiders to Vegas three years ago, said he's 110% sure of this. He said you can write it off if you want, but this definitely lines up with the business angle that LeBron is coming here to boost his production company to finally get Space Jam 2 made. Jeff Katz, because of his ties to the movie business, this is what he's hearing. So because of all that, Alan, how do you feel about that news? And is it more believable to you this time around? So much more believable. Yeah, Yeah, I think it really makes a lot of sense. LeBron just seems like the type of guy that, yeah, he's going to be 
very future oriented, you know, and he's going to think ahead. He's not just going to like sit down at the end of next season. Like, okay, like, so what should I do? You know, like players will always say, I'm not going to think about any of that stuff until the season's over right now. I'm focused on the here and now, blah, blah, blah. LeBron to me, like, I just, I don't buy that. I really do think that, uh, he's constantly like contemplating the best move for him and his entire family. And, you know, we've heard stuff about how his wife wants to Mm -hmm. live in LA. They do have their house in Brentwood. And as far as him wanting to get into, you know, movie production, he's always been close with guys like Jay-Z, you know, mm-hmm. like looking at things outside of basketball. And then you read the stuff in the forum, like, okay, like that all sounds like a crazy conspiracy theory, but it, it makes sense. And then you hear Jeff Katz just completely spill his guts about it on ESPN radio. Yep. And it like perfectly lines up with what we read. So now... I mean, it, it makes a ton of sense. And, uh, there's too much smoke this, this far out, dude, you know, yeah, for it to yeah, be anything. Exactly. You're like standing in the forest fire right now. You know, Can't yeah. deny it. Yeah. He has obviously a player option, either a player option or his contract expires after this year. He can become an un- unrestricted free agent. And guess what? Because of the Lakers one plus one plan or whatever, one year deals. 2018, they're going to be one of the few teams that has the ability to sign two max players. And at that point, Paul George or not, you get LeBron James, you can get anybody. Somebody else will come. And I think that's why the Lakers aren't panicked about this Paul George thing. If if you're wondering why, we're like, okay, you can have him. Even if we could have upped our offer or whatever, we're fine doing that. Um, I think they're probably holding on to as many assets that they have left to move those pieces for other help for LeBron James if he comes, you know? And if LeBron James comes, you get another superstar, whether it's, even if it's not Paul George, maybe it's DeMarcus Cousins or Anthony Davis in the future or somebody like that. And then you use the rest of your pieces to trade for a third guy, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So I think that's what they're trying to do here. And obviously I think the plan is still for a Paul George, LeBron James pairing. That would be amazing. I don't think any other team has two wings, elite wings like that. Not even the Golden State Warriors. It would that be, is dirty, dude. Yeah. Oh, my god. I mean, gosh. it's Kevin Durant and Draymond Green, but that's not to the same extent as LeBron James and Paul George, you know? Right. So, I guess, what do you think about why LeBron would do this outside of the entertainment value? Like, what if you could go inside his head, you know, he just won one for Cleveland. Why wouldn't he just stay home? It's his home, you know? Wouldn't he just want to retire and close his career out with Cleveland? Why, why, why do you think he would come? Because the only reason the Cleveland Cavaliers are even on the map as a franchise is because of him, Mm -hmm. right? Like what kind of support does he have from Dan Gilbert? Who's getting rid of the general manager right before the draft and all this craziness that's happening. And who knows what's going on with Chauncey Billups coming in as president of basketball ops. That was supposed to happen. And now whatever, like who knows what happened? It just seems like there's so much instability there and a lack of support Long term, like, I think he would be under, like, serious stress as a player. Like, what is freaking going on? Whereas, if he comes to the Lakers, established franchise, and, you know, we can say whatever we want about the front office at this point, but, come on, like, I'm pretty sure LeBron has more faith in guys like Magic Johnson and Rob Palenka than he does just Dan Gilbert right now. And just being in Los Angeles in general is is better than Cleveland. Right. And the opportunity is just ripe right now for Los Angeles. They've got the momentum. They've got the potential. They've got the upside pieces. And like you said, if you just get one star in Los Angeles, like the other dominoes will fall immediately after. Maybe LeBron is tired of having a straight shot to the finals. And he actually wants to go through a team first. And that's going to bring the best at him. He's like, no, I want to hit the Warriors before the finals. Maybe. I mean, and then on top of it, I think he just knows 
that he has enough talent to, even though he's like leaving a Cleveland team who could sleepwalk through the entire regular season because of how weak the East is now and how the East has been gutted of the Paul Millsaps, Paul Georges, Jimmy Butlers of the world. Even if he's leaving that, hey, I'm still freaking LeBron James. I don't care how good the West is. I'm going to come to the Lakers and imagine if I win the championship, even, even if it's not the first year, I'm sure he's realistic about it. You know, it's going to take some time. But if I can end my career winning a championship for the Los Angeles Lakers, then I can put my name up there with Wilt Chamberlain, Kobe Bryant, Shaquille yeah. O'Neal, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, etc. To be part of that group is amazing. And nobody in Cleveland's going to get mad at me. I already won one for them. I yeah. won it. I won a championship in Miami. So, I, you know, for me, I don't see it as that big of a taint on his legacy or like why he would see it as a roadblock just in terms of this narrative doesn't really make sense in my story. The vast public would hate him for going to the Lakers because sure. the majority of people hate the Lakers. But Laker Nation is so humongous yep. that he's going to be loved by just that many more people. Right. You know what I mean? And he said before, I thought I was a superstar till I saw Kobe Bryant in China. internationally? I mean, he's already, like, well-known yes. everywhere. But if he were to come here, good Lord, it'd be insane. Yeah. And also, you know, a large faction, actually, of the people who do hate him right now are Lakers fans. Yeah. But if he comes to the Lakers, it'll all flip. And, you know, as big as a mogul as he is right now, it's over. Like, he becomes the next legacy brand from Jordan to Kobe to LeBron James. Yeah. And I think it's going to be like... It's just a direct path for him to do so many things once he's done, too. He's obviously closer to the end than he is the beginning right now. Like, yeah, the, the possibilities are endless for him as far as beyond basketball, what he wants to do. And he's always looked up to Kobe Bryant. He's always loved Kobe. And he sees what Kobe's doing in retirement, doing all the production stuff, producing. And I I think the argument people make is like, well, he could still do all of those things if he stays in Cleveland. It's like, that's true, but he wouldn't be able to get a head start like he can now. Exactly. If he's just here now as a player, like you said, with Kobe, like now Kobe's circumstances, he got hurt. So he was able to take some time off of that. But I don't know. Again, like LeBron just seems like a planner. And I don't want to use this word like he's a schemer because scheming sounds like it's shady, but he does seem like the type that wants to like make his own path. Like he wants control of what is going on. And uh, if he comes here, it would be easier to get into those things. It's just a seamless transition. Whereas if he were to stay in Cleveland for the rest of his career, could he make his way out here? Yes, of course he could, but it just kind of prolongs things. Yeah, it just takes a lot more work. You know, if you want, yeah. if he wants to continue his acting career, which, you know, he was in train wreck. He's a very charismatic guy who, you know, has and the some other acting thing chest. is like taking, I mean, now we're not like getting too far off topic, yeah. but he's such a family guy, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know how old his kids are, but they're like middle school aged. He probably would want his kids to be out here or like settled in for high school. Right. Say he retires in Cleveland and his kids are whatever, 16, 17 years old. What then he's going to move to LA? then yeah. heck no like he would have to stay out there in cleveland until they all graduate he'd probably rather just kind of have everything be a fresh start to begin with yep yeah exactly so that is why the lakers have made these moves in advance and that's even... why they all like just kind of giddily laugh like <laughs> oh that 2018 cap space is sacred we yep. can't touch it oh you're gonna see what we're gonna do and everyone's like what the heck you guys sound like jim and mitch but yeah. like giddy right it's like yeah there's a method to our madness and you know let's let's really hope that there is and this pans out because then you know we're all gonna be very happy right and you know the pe- first time listeners who randomly are listening to this episode are like, like oh my god you idiots these this lakers homers. exceptionalism I know. psychos 
And look, we're the same guys who are just bashing the front office moves for jumping the gun and trading D'Angelo Russell for Brooke Lopez and doing this ahead of, in advance of any tangible evidence that there is something beyond this year or whatever. You know, it's back to cap space X, cap space Y. But at the same time, there is enough smoke here to say, I also wouldn't make these types of moves if I didn't know something. Mm -hmm. So at least we have to take that with a grain of salt and say, at least there's something here. It doesn't seem like an empty promise here. Uh, like Magic said, I wouldn't... It's not just we're the Lakers. It is that, but Magic also said... But then said, there's like stuff going on, yeah. you know? And Magic said, I wouldn't have made these moves to clear cap space if I wasn't confident that I knew people would come. Because they even publicly said, we are not looking to trade a bunch of our young guys. We want to grow them. We want to make this a process, blah, 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 blah. And then boom, suddenly they get rid of D'Angelo. It's like, what the heck happened? Something so, happened something behind the scenes. Something clearly happened, you know? Like, we've said that multiple times. Yep. So, like, something's going on here that we just don't see, but we won't assume that. Let's just, you know, let's right. be critical of what right. went on. So Now, does that mean we backtrack and just praise the front office right now before anything's happened? No. Yeah. I would still be cautiously... Of course. Not even cautiously optimistic, but continue to take that wait-and-see approach because we've been duped too many times and we've seen how quickly things can change in a year. Plans can change, man. LeBron James might be like, oh, just kidding. I don't want to do this thing anymore over here. You know, things can change. So if at the end of this, it's very likely that at the end of this, we're having to scrape the barrel again for whatever superstars will take our money, you know? And hopefully they'll at least be better than, they'll, they'll definitely be better than Luau Day and Mozgov. But yeah. there's, a, there's a scenario where it's not LeBron James and Paul George and we're looking at the rest of the 2018 free agency crop and begging DeMarcus Cousins to come. That's when we'll be able to pile on them and say, like, man, see, you know, when we were freaking out back then, this is why. But it does, like we said. I mean, this is not a high bar to clear in terms of comparing this back to Mitch and Jim. But like we said, it's at least better than what Mitch and Jim were selling in terms of, yeah, we actually have no idea which stars are coming. But we're going to clear this cap space anyways. And by the way, Kobe Bryant, here's $24 million to take one spot mm-hmm. away. So at least I think for sure we'll be one of the very few teams who can say, we have two max guys, spaces for two max guys. Let's bring a tandem together. Or if it's LeBron, hey, you pick your second guy. We can finally actually implement that plan that we've been promising people since 2012. So yeah, I guess we'll leave it right there in terms of the Paul George LeBron stuff. We are not homers. We don't 100% believe this is going to happen. Like I said, I see a scenario where Paul George stays. I see a scenario where LeBron doesn't had, fall Had we never through. heard all of this LeBron entertainment industry stuff, we wouldn't be saying, oh, yeah. we could get LeBron. Yep. The only reason we are taking it seriously is because of all of the smoke. Right. Not just the fact that he is going to be a free agent next year. Yep. If it were just that, we'd be like, yeah, okay, whatever. But there's all this other stuff to go along with it, which is why we're kind of on that train. Yep. And lastly, stuff like this leaks because, especially when it comes to marketing it's and entertainment. On, it's not by accident. No. And like, you know, Tommy just told us that he has a friend that works for marketing in the Miami front office or something like that. And they, he knew a week ago that they were planning to pursue Gordon Hayward because marketing has to print those banners with Gordon Hayward's face on it. <laughs> yeah. you know, like, so stuff like this leaks beforehand and it, it would lend to reason that LeBron James is speaking with his production company that he's trying to get off the ground, speaking with the guys helming the Space Jam 2 project and saying, what would it be like if I were a Laker when this released? That'd be hot lit <laughs> so there you go we'll, we'll leave it right there for pie in the sky 2018 but that's all we can cling on to right so 
So yeah, that's our episode. Summer League is right here. Time to get lit. Forget about all the free agent misfirings or inability to do anything. Please, once again, follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod, and please rate and review us on iTunes. Let's get us to 200 five-star ratings and reviews, please. We just switched our logo out. We got Lonzo Ball and Magic Johnson on the face of everything. So for nothing else, rate and review us for that. So thank you guys once again, and we'll catch you guys after some Summer League games are over, and we'll do a recap then, and hopefully we've signed someone as well. Peace. This is what flow from Progressive sounds like in one of our many hilarious commercials. Hi, did you know that you can get a quote on your motorcycle insurance in under three minutes at Progressive.com? And did you know that saying hi makes even bad news sound good? Hi, you have high cholesterol. Hi, you're fine. And this is what that same commercial sounds like on your motorcycle. Hi, there's no more even our commercials sound better on a bike. And with basic policy starting at $75 a year, Progressive helps keep you on yours. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Annual premium for basic liability policy not available in all states. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.